I want to read a couple passages of Scripture this morning, uh, familiar passages of Scripture, but the first is in Matthew chapter 1, just the last couple of verses of Matthew chapter 1. It tells us, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We move over to Luke chapter 2, the beginning verses of Luke chapter 2, and it tells us, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we enjoy seeing each other. Lord, we enjoy the people who lead us in our worship service. But Lord, we didn't come here just to see each other or to get to know better the people on the platform. The reason we came today is to get to know you and to hear from you and to listen to your voice. So as we look at your word, Lord, as we reflect on the truth of your word, Lord, I pray that that's what would cut to our hearts this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, but these are one of those questions where you don't raise your hand for, okay? Just to be clear about this, don't raise your hand on these questions, all right? Here, here's the questions. Do you ever feel like you don't get the recognition that you deserve? Hey, you ever have times in life when you feel like you don't get the appreciation or the affirmation or maybe even the reward that you deserve? And maybe you're in a season right now where you are waiting to become a star. You are waiting to experience a breakthrough. You are waiting for success to come pouring into your light, your life. You are waiting to see your name in lights. You are waiting for that moment to come. Now, maybe you haven't dreamed of becoming world famous, but I think most of us, if we were honest, we want to at least be circle appreciated. That the people in our life that knew us, that they valued who we were. And maybe if we can't be world famous or even circle appreciated, we might even settle for just being noticed. Because it feels like there are times that we are just invisible. Our feelings, our words, our thoughts, our accomplishments, all of the things that we want to bring to the table that say, pay attention to this. Sometimes it feels like we're just plain invisible. Maybe you can relate to some of the frustrations of David Prowse. David Prowse, I would describe as the most famous, non-famous person of the last 50 years. David Prowse, his death was announced this past week. When he was a child growing up in England, he, he had a goal of desiring to play rugby at a world-class level. That's what he wanted to do. That dream kind of went by the wayside when he developed some kind of an injury in his leg that it required him to be hospitalized for 10 months where his leg was immobilized. And at the end of those 10 months, 
The leg still was just as injured as it was before. And what he'd done is he'd lost all muscle tone in the whole rest of his body. It was probably for that reason that when he saw a magazine that featured on the cover a bodybuilder, he said, that's what I want to do. And so he began to invest and pour his life into the idea of becoming a bodybuilder, a professional weightlifter. And in fact, he reached the top where in Great Britain he was the top heavyweight weightlifter in the entire nation. But for some reason, when it came time for the 1964 Olympic team to be selected, his name wasn't on the list. Having been frustrated to become a world-class rugby player and having been frustrated to be an Olympian, he said, well, you know what, let me, try my, let me try my luck at acting. He picked up a couple commercial gigs along the way, but nothing really that was going to provide that fame, that platform, that breakthrough, that star moment that he was waiting for. Finally, he was offered a role in a movie. In fact, he was offered two different roles in the movie because he was a big feller, six foot seven. And so George Lucas came to him and said, do you want to be Chewbacca or do you want to be Darth Vader? He thought about it and he said, well, I don't want to be dressed like a rug for the entire shooting of the film. So I choose Darth Vader. And so he is, he has the role of one of the great villains of all of movie history. It is that breakthrough moment that he has expected, he has been waiting for. Can you imagine his disappointment when he attends the premiere? And he wants to listen to how he delivered all of those lines. How he, he really hit every one of his notes. And the first time Darth Vader speaks, they have dubbed somebody else's voice over his voice for every single one of his lines. He was invited back to be Darth Vader for Empire Strikes Back. And in Darth Vader, in this movie, Darth Vader gets to be in the middle of some scenes with some action, and he gets to be in some lightsaber duels. They look like this, whoosh, 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 something like that. Well, the only thing is that when it comes time to shoot those lightsaber duels, they've hired a stuntman to take his place. Return of the Jedi comes. He is Darth Vader once again. He still doesn't get to do his own voice. Someone else does all of the stunts still. But in this movie, the mask comes off. And we are going to be able to see the face of Darth Vader. And David Prowse's face is finally going to be recognized as that's the guy who's Darth Vader. Only to find out when they take the mask off, they've hired another actor for his face to be seen. He's lost his voice. He's lost the action. And now it's not even his face. David Prowse becomes angry. He becomes frustrated. He really becomes isolated from the whole Star Wars trilogies and sagas. And what's left is he ends up just doing some silly public service announcements about how to safely cross the road back and forth. He wanted to have a starring role. He wanted to be significant, but it seems as though he was destined, maybe even doomed, to life in the background. So much for being a star. I draw attention to this this morning because this week our attention in the Christmas story, the narrative of the birth of Christ, is drawn to the people in the background. In fact, in our dramas this morning, what we paid attention to was the story of Joseph 
Uh, we, we read just these little short passages of Scripture because those are really the ones where Joseph does anything. Uh, basically what it tells us is Joseph woke up, he did what he was told to do, and he named Jesus, Jesus. No dramatic action. No great moments. Here he is, the great story of the birth of Jesus, and he is just in the background. The passage tells us that Jesus was born in the, in the stable because there was no room in the inn. In our story this morning, we, we, we kind of thought through about the life of the innkeeper and the innkeeper's wife and all of their story there in that passage of Scripture. But the reality is, is that the innkeeper's wife is not even mentioned in the passage of Scripture. And in fact, if you take a look at it carefully, the innkeeper isn't even mentioned in the passage of Scripture. And if you really dig in a little bit, there may not even have been an inn. Because where it says that there was no room for them in the inn, it is some Bible translations would say in the guest space. In fact, it's the same word that's used when the disciples find the upper room for the Lord's Supper. It is a guest space. And when there's a later place in Scripture where there is a specific inn that's being talked about, a professional inn, it's a completely different word than here. So there is no innkeeper's wife. There is no innkeeper. There may not have even been an inn. No offense, John. Uh, there, there may not even have been an inn. Talk about it in the background. He may not even have existed. What do we do when we find ourselves in the background? Here's the good news this morning. The good news is that God loves to use the overlooked to be at the center of his story. God loves to use the overlooked to be at the center of his story. And so really, that truth is enough for us to just chew on for the whole rest of the time this morning. When we inventory at the beginning of the service, does anybody feel overlooked? Does anybody feel neglected? Does anybody feel underappreciated? Does anybody feel like they don't get the reward and the recognition and the affirmation that they deserve? What I want you to know is that God loves to use the overlook to be at the center of his story. And if you're here this morning and you're one of those people who feel overlooked, underappreciated, that your gifts, talents, abilities, personality are not being valued the way they are, I want you to know that God loves to use the overlooked to be at the center of his story. Now let's unpack that for a couple of moments this morning because what I want you to know is what I want you to see and experience is that there actually is a blessing to life in the background. Let's unpack that for a couple of minutes. The first thing I want you to know is that life in the background grows and develops our humility. Life in the background builds our humility. Here's the truth. We don't really want to admit it, but we struggle with pride. Garrison Keillor talks about Lake Wobegon. He says, in Lake Wobegon, all of the children are above average. Well, mathematically, it doesn't work that way. Not every, that, that, that's not what average is. But if I were to ask you, how many of you are above average drivers? 
everybody in the room would say that they are an above average driver. I would say, is anybody here a below average driver? Well, nobody would say they're a below, below average driver. Now, if I were to ask, are you sitting near a below average driver? You might raise your hand. Don't do that. But we all feel like we are better than average. We are all there. Now, we deal with that pride in some different ways. I think sometimes people have what I call extroverted pride, and they're loud. You can see those people a mile away. You, you can hear them two miles away. They, they've got neon signs that bright up and talk, talk about how great that they are. And you can see these folks far, far away. And it's easy to say, man, some people have got a pride problem. They've got extroverted pride that you just can't miss. But I would also tell you that some of us also have introverted pride. It's not quite as bright. It's not quite as neon. It's not quite as easy to recognize from a distance. But we've got pride issues just the same. And in fact, in some of us that, that may be more on the introverted kind of pride, we take a step back where the extrovert takes a step forward. But while we're taking a step back, we're kind of waiting for someone else to say, well, why don't you come back up? Why, why don't you, oh, don't do that. You are so great. And we are just backing up, waiting for someone to compliment us. Extroverted pride, introverted pride, we all have pride. In fact, I just made up a statistic that says 83% of the people in the room today have a problem with pride. And if you said it's not me, that number just went up to 84 and my pride was really hoping that you'd laugh at that. But this building of humility inside of us is really, really important. It's really important because it is humility that really works as the, the connecting points that gives us the ability to have relationships with one another. People who struggle with pride struggle with relationships. If you get to the place where you can get honest humility, now this is not just being down on yourself all the time, but it is simply being humble and knowing the truth about yourself. When we develop humility for our own lives, it makes it so much easier for us to have relationship with one another because when we're pride we have this spinning field around us that we can't get to and we can't receive people and people can't receive us so humility really really matters but I would tell you that humility really really matters because it is the entry point in which we can have a relationship with God you see, he doesn't come to us in our success. He doesn't come to us in our achievements. He doesn't come to us in our perfections. He doesn't even come to us in our above-averageness. He comes to us when we admit that we are broken and in need and desperate for a rescue and drenched with the scars and stains of sin on our life. And so the reality is, is that if we never develop a sense of humility, a sense of honestness about who we are, then we can never fully have a relationship with God. And so sometimes we want to step forward. We want our name in lights. We want to be recognized. We want to be affirmed. But really in that moment, what we need to do is swallow our pride and just allow some humility to be built inside of us and actually find the blessing 
of being in the background because then maybe we can let our humility grow just a little bit and then you can be proud of how humble you are and you've got to start all over again. But I would also tell you that life in the background also teaches us to focus on the only audience that matters, the one true audience in our life. Have you ever seen or heard or been around someone who is always playing to an audience? They may be at a table, three tables away from you at a restaurant, but they want you to know how much money they made last year. They want you to know how funny they are. They may be talking to just their friends, but they really want the whole restaurant to hear them. Sometimes parents can do this as well, that they're talking to their kids down low and they get down low to talk to their kids, but they say it so loudly because they want to know that everyone else in the park and the playground can also hear how great of a parent they are. Has anyone ever been around one of those people? The reality is that probably at least once in my life I've been that person where you play to the audience that's around. I, I want you to hear me. I want you to notice me. I want you to be impressed by me. But Jesus, in his central teaching time on the Sermon on the Mount, he reminds us that there's really only one person that matters in terms of our audience. In the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us that, that you are so sure that because you have avoided some of the big, ugly, external sins, that everything is good. You haven't murdered, you haven't committed adultery, you haven't done this or that. But Jesus says, but, but understand, but, but God sees your heart. And, and, and while you may have a pretty clean record with those external sins, God sees the internal sins, and it matters what he sees. He also talks about people who like to perform in terms of their spiritual activity. He talks about the people who like to pray really loud out on the street corner so everybody can hear them pray and how they pray with such big, powerful words, and somehow they, they, they pray in King James English, and, and, and they, they, they speak with a British accent even when they pray. It's so great. He talks about people who, when they give, they make sure everybody notices how much they give. He talks about people that when they fast and when they, when they set some things aside in their life, he, wants, he talks about the fact that they need everyone to know. Well, I, I haven't had anything to eat in six days because I'm fasting. Uh, did, did you know uh, I'm fasting? And you, you kind of look as dreary as you possibly can. What Jesus says to that, he says, but I hope you enjoyed that. He says, because all the reward that you've gotten from the people who watched you pray or watched you give or watched you fast, <laughs> he says, that's it. That, that, that's the reward. And the reality is there's not many people going by giving you a high five because you prayed really loud. But Jesus says, listen, if you're doing that for the audience, man, I hope it was really meaningful for you because it missed the mark with the audience that matters. Because really what we do when we pray, when we give, when we set some things aside, we do that for God. For no other reason other than for God. 
And I would say to you, if you find yourself in one of those places where you're feeling overlooked, where you are feeling underappreciated, I would tell you that that is good news. I would tell you that that is a blessing because it is giving you the opportunity for you to purify your worship because you're not doing it to impress a spouse, a family member, a neighbor, a classmate, or anyone else. The only person that can see it or care about it or that it matters is the only person that matters, and that's Jesus. And so in those times when it feels like nobody is looking, that's a great time to make sure that the one thing that we are targeting our life toward is Jesus. And he is the only audience that we ever really need to care about. Now I will tell you that life in the background also in no way means that it limits our significance in fact, I want you to hear this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, he says, For consider your calling, brothers. Now, if you need to work on your humility, here's a good spot, all right? Just listen up. We're going to work on our humility together here. He says, I want you to consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. By the way, that's us. He's calling us not strong. He's calling us weak. He's calling us despised. He's calling us lowly. He says God chose the low and despised in this world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is a passage of scripture that tells us, listen, God loves to take the overlooked in the world to be at the center and the heart of his story. In fact, many times when God can choose between using someone who is weak and someone who is incredibly gifted, he says, I, I want to choose the weak. Because that's the place where my glory is going to be most revealed. Watch what our background characters did in this passage of scripture. Hey, there's Joseph. So little is poured out about him. But he protected Mary just as was described in song and in drama today. He chose love and compassion he obeyed God. He executed the details that God gave to him. And he provided structure and care for that family for the rest of his life. Nothing fancy. Nothing dramatic. But just what was assigned to him. How about our innkeeper? <laughs> Who knows? We, we, we've written a story from the blanks in the page. But someone, but someone did provide space and privacy for Mary and Joseph and for Jesus' birth. Who it was, where it was, what it looked like, we don't know. But somebody saw the need whose name doesn't even appear in the text. Somebody stepped up and said, you can have what I have. 
You see, God uses the simple to do the majestic. Remember our friend David Prose, the, the, the Darth Vader, who was disappointed with how all those things unfolded? Before he died, David Prose was knighted by the Queen of England, declared a member of the British Empire, which they tell me is a big deal. It hasn't happened to me yet, but they, they tell me that that's a big deal. Because remember those, those silly public service announcements that he got stuck doing about how to cross the road, and they were kind of targeted for kids, and it was a little bit silly. They measured that after those commercials, those ads were made, that the annual number of accidents involving children in traffic dropped from 40,000 a year to 20,000 a year. And those public service announcements probably saved thousands and thousands of lives. Never what he planned. Never had the fame and fortune that he expected to have. But what David Prowse experienced and what we need to be reminded of is that fame and influence are never the same thing. You see, God loves to use the overlooked to be the center of his story. What's our now what this morning? Very simply, I would say that our now what, I would start by saying know what your assignment is. Maybe in this season right now, you're supposed to be in the background. Sometimes we like to, we, we like to be one of the people on the platform that, that has a mic and to be on the praise team, and better even than the praise team, is that, that we'd like to be the soloists. Well, maybe we're supposed to be on the praise team. Maybe we're supposed to step back and be in the choir. Maybe the role for this season of our life is to sit in the pew. Maybe this season of our life, we're supposed to watch online and pray for the service that unfolds. I don't know what your assignment is, but receive the assignment that he gives you. Now, it's also quite possible that God has called you an assignment of leadership, that God has called you to step up and to be the one with the voice or the mic or the person who is supposed to be the person who's supposed to make a difference to teach a class or to do something like that. And if that's the assignment that he's given you, stand up. Stand up. Fill the role that he has given you but I don't know which one of those roles, which assignment he's given to you. It's quite possible that he's given you both, that there are some places in life where you're supposed to stand up, and there are some places in life that you're supposed to step back. Man, would God give you the wisdom, the courage, and the boldness to be ready to stand up when you're supposed to stand up, and to step back when you're supposed to step back. I would also challenge you, use what you have. Man, David, or John, let me try one more time. Joseph used what he had. Simple, carpenter, husband, dad, stable, obedient to the direction of God. Nothing fancy, but he used what he had. Somebody had some space for this tired couple and this brand new baby. They used what they had.
What resources, what words, what energies, what insights, what humble tasks do you have that you can bring to the table? And then I would remind you that the whole point of this story is that the King of Heaven, the Son of God, did not feel like it was too much to take a step back. In fact, Philippians tells us that we should have the same mind that Christ had. That even though he was in very nature God, he set those things aside to be born in a barn, overlooked and forgotten, and walked past day after day after day for 30 years to just blend in literally to the woodwork. But he did that because of his love for us and for the purpose of his mission. And sometimes we think, well, I deserve to be up front, have the same mind that Christ had, who even though he was in very nature, God set that aside to accomplish the work of God. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak into our lives Whisper truth to us. Help us to know how to respond. We pray these things in your name. Amen.